Chapter 20 of The Birth of Tragedy or Hellenism and Pessimism by Friedrich Nietzsche. Translated by William Hausmann. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 20. It may be weighed some day, before an impartial judge, in what time and in what men the German spirit has thus far striven most resolutely to learn of the Greeks. And if we confidently assume that this unique praise must be accorded to the noblest intellectual efforts of Goethe, Schiller, and Winckelmann, it will certainly have to be added that since their time, and subsequently to the more immediate influences of these efforts, the endeavor to attain to culture and to the Greeks by this path has in an incomprehensible manner grown feebler and feebler. In order not to despair altogether of the German spirit, we must not infer therefrom that possibly in some essential matter even these champions could not penetrate into the core of the Hellenic nature, and were unable to establish a permanent friendly alliance between German and Greek culture, so that perhaps an unconscious perception of this shortcoming might raise also in more serious minds the disheartening doubt as to whether after such predecessors they could advance still farther on this path of culture, or could reach the goal at all. Accordingly, we see the opinions concerning the value of Greek contribution to culture degenerate since that time, in the most alarming manner. The expression of compassionate superiority may be heard in the most heterogeneous intellectual and non-intellectual camps, and elsewhere a totally ineffective declamation dallies with, quote, Greek harmony, quote, Greek beauty, quote, Greek cheerfulness end quote. and in the very circles whose dignity it might be to draw indefatigably from the greek channel for the good of german culture in the circles of the teachers in the higher educational institutions they have learned best to compromise with the greeks in good time and on easy terms to the extent often of a sceptical abandonment of the hellenic ideal and a total perversion of the true purpose of antiquarian studies. If there be any one at all in these circles who has not completely exhausted himself in the endeavor to be a trustworthy corrector of old texts, or a natural history microscopist of language, he perhaps seeks also to appropriate Grecian antiquity, quote, historically, end quote, along with other antiquities and in any case, according to the method, and with the supercilious air of our present cultured historiography. When, therefore, the intrinsic efficiency of the higher educational institutions has never perhaps been lower or feebler than at present, when the, quote, journalist, end quote, the paper slave of the day, has triumphed over the academic teacher in all matters pertaining to culture, and there only remains to the latter the often previously experienced metamorphosis of now fluttering, also as a cheerful cultured butterfly, in the idiom of the journalist, with the, quote, light elegance, end quote, peculiar thereto. With what painful confusion— must the cultured persons of a period like the present gaze at the phenomenon, which we can perhaps be comprehended analogically 
only by means of the profoundest principle of the hitherto unintelligible Hellenic genius. Of the reawakening of the Dionysian spirit and the rebirth of tragedy. Never has there been another art period in which so-called culture and true art have been so estranged and opposed as is so obviously the case at present. We understand why so feeble a culture hates true art. It fears destruction thereby. But must not an entire domain of culture, namely the Socratic Alexandrine, have exhausted its powers after contriving to culminate in such a daintily tapering point as our present culture? when it was not permitted to heroes like Goethe and Schiller to break open the enchanted gate which leads into the Hellenic magic mountain, when with their most dauntless striving they did not get beyond the longing gaze which the Goethean Ephigenia cast from barbaric Taurus to her home across the ocean. What could the epigonies of such heroes hope for, if the gate should not open to them suddenly of its own accord? and an entirely different position, quite overlooked in all endeavors of culture hitherto, amidst the mystic tones of reawakened tragic music. Let no one attempt to weaken our faith in an impending rebirth of Hellenic antiquity, for in it alone we find our hope of a renovation and purification of the German spirit through the fire-magic of music. What else do we know of amidst the present desolation and languor of culture, which could awaken any comforting expectation for the future? We look in vain for one single vigorously branching root, for a speck of fertile and healthy soil. There is dust, sand, torpidness, and languishing everywhere. Under such circumstances, a cheerless, solitary wanderer could choose for himself no better symbol than the night with death and the devil. As Dürer has sketched him for us, the mail-clad knight, grim and stern of visage, who is able, unperturbed by his gruesome companions, and yet hopelessly, to pursue his terrible path with horse and hound alone. Our Schopenhauer was such a Dürerian knight. He was destitute of all hope, but he sought the truth. There is not his equal. But how suddenly this gloomily depicted wilderness of our exhausted culture changes when the Dionysian magic touches it. A hurricane seizes everything decrepit, decaying, collapsed and stunted, wraps it whirlingly into a red cloud of dust and carries it like a vulture into the air. Confused thereby, our glances seek for what has vanished, for what they see is something risen to the golden light as from a depression so full and green, so luxuriantly alive, so ardently infinite. Tragedy sits in the midst of this exuberance of life, sorrow, and joy, in sublime ecstasy. She listens to a distant, doleful song. It tells of the mothers of being, whose names are Van, Ville, Ve. Yes, my friends, 
believe with me in Dionysian life and in the rebirth of tragedy. The time of the Socratic man is past. Crown yourselves with ivy. Take in your hands the thyrsus. And do not marvel if tigers and panthers lie down fawning at your feet. Dare now to be tragic men, for ye are to be redeemed. Ye are to accompany the Dionysian festive procession from India to Greece. Equip yourselves for severe conflict, but believe in the wonders of your God. End of chapter 20. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.